Hello everyone and welcome to the first official episode. With this episode, I did want to do a short um, brief introduction to who I am and what the tone of the rest of the series will be. I know I did a short introduction to the podcast series itself, but I did want to go a little bit more in depth. Um, did not want to be the person asking everybody to reveal their truths and their journey and story. Um, if mine wasn't out there for everyone to hear. So I need to be just as vulnerable as everyone else coming onto the show. So I wanted to set the tone and remind everybody this is a place to come and speak and really share your life story. Uh, so a little bit about myself. My name is Lee Everett. I am 26 years old and I am from Pine Tops, North Carolina. Pine Tops is a very small town in Edgecombe um, County. It is near, it's about an hour and a half from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, you know, so that's kind of the biggest city that we have access to. Some of the smaller towns and cities are Rocky Mount, Wilson, Tarboro, North Carolina. Um, so like I said, a little small two-stop like town. I grew up in a um, smaller family, have one younger brother, Michael Leverett. He's a paramedic, doing really well. He's 22. Uh, so he's actually teaching courses and everything at his age already at Edgecombe Community College, helping other paramedics get through the program and elevate their uh, careers and personal journeys in that field. Uh, my mother and my father, my dad was a stay. Oh, well, my dad was a school teacher um, for 30 plus years and just recently retired a few years ago. My mom was a stay-at-home mom after I was born. Previously, before that, she worked with physically and mentally disabled children in the school system. Um, so when I was born, <laughs> it kind of shifted the dynamic for my family. Uh, we did not grow up with a lot of money. You know, obviously school teachers are some of the most underpaid um, professions there is, especially for the amount of work they do and what they're doing to set the future and tone for our, our future generations. Um, so my mom and my dad understood um, once they found out that I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive that I was going to require some time and attention. Um, and so to that point, uh, you know, a lot of you have heard of OCD or obsessive compulsive. And we like to think of the show Monk or we think of cleanliness or, you know, having things in a certain order or arrangement. But obsessive compulsive goes a lot deeper than that, and it manifests itself differently in people that have it. Um, so a lot of it has to do with your environment and what you're exposed to, and it also has to do with the chemical composition and uh, physiological makeup of your brain and your mind, your neurons firing. So everybody's version is always different. Uh, for me, you know, I struggled a lot with, uh, a lot of odd things people would call it. So I would struggle with things as, you know, washing my hands. Um, I would count tiles. I would lick carpet floors. I would look at the sun for X amount of seconds. I'd, I would do all these things for a certain amount of time and duration. And basically my mind told me I had to do so. Um, and so through all this, my mom, uh, through her education and background and just her firsthand experience, realized that, you know, this was pretty bad and, you know, we needed to seek help. So we went from doctor to doctor and I actually had three doctors from Duke Hospital want to refer me to Cherry Hospital at the age of five. Um, so Cherry Hospital is kind of the real deal here in, in the Carolinas. And, you know, that's what some could call like an insane asylum or some could call like a, a medical institute, whatever the name you want to give it. 
Um, so we were going through these processes and diagnosis and basically seeing, you know, everything they diagnosed me with. I was a very angry child. I had a lot of uh, anger management issues. You know, I was just mad at the world, mad at myself, just frustrated with a lot of things and really a, very depressed and anxious as well. You know, these thoughts looping around in my mind were causing me to do certain things that I knew were wrong and I knew I shouldn't be doing. But I had to do it or had to come close to accomplishing it to get it out of my mind. So the first thing, you know, we did once they started, uh, you know, recommending certain places and things. And as you well know, and I'll speak about this openly with pharmaceuticals and things here, but I do want to put out I'm not a doctor and I'm not giving me any type of medical, legal or doctor advice. Um, but the doctors there in my personal story ended up diagnosing me wrong. And giving me the wrong medication, and I was just about to the point of causing a heart attack and could have killed me at five or six years old. To the point where they had to give me about five or six Valiums, and she said the security guard walked me around for hours and hours and hours just to calm down my heart rate. So that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, obviously there's things that took place up until that point, but once she saw that, you know, we realized they realized as a family medication may not be the best route especially as young as I was she wanted to understand me as a person as, as her child and also being able to show me that your mind is the most powerful tool you control and manifest your thoughts and if your thoughts are in a bad place you can control where those thoughts get placed to and what energy comes behind those thoughts so she politely took me by the hand, and ever since then, we, you know, as a child, we went from psychologist to psychologist until we found somebody that was a fit for our family and what we were looking to do. Uh, fortunately enough for me, I, I had met uh, a lady named Dr. Betty, and, you know, she helped change my life. But one of the biggest things I learned through that whole journey is that we, as people, are so quick to throw labels on things, and that's something my mom would never allow. She didn't want me to be known as Lee with OCD or Lee that had to have special requirements or anything like that. Not that she was ever ashamed or opposed because that was the furthest thing from how she felt. But she knew that was not going to be the reason why it held me back from anything I wanted to put my mind to. Uh, so like I said, with some of the faults I would have and, you know, she'd bathe me and my brother together as young children in the bathtub. And I'd, I'd look at her and say, Mom, you know, I, I feel like I want to hurt or drown Michael. She said, no, you don't, son. And we'd go through a conversation and she'd literally walk out of the bathroom and put my mind to the test. Obviously, there was nothing in in way that could harm me or my brother. And she would look through the crack of the door. I remember her telling me this and just watch me. And I would just sit there because in my heart, and in my soul, she knew the person I was and knew the thoughts I was having did not match the character or uh, the soul that I was or that I am. So through this, you know, we were able to see that, you know, a lot of these thoughts were obviously the obsessive compulsive thoughts. And um, through research, you know, people say that there's some type of neurological loop in the mind that causes these thoughts to kind of manifest. And instead of kind of if you envision like a uh, like an, an oval and it goes in circles and circles and the oval being connected, those thoughts keep kind of looping in that circle instead of bouncing back into another area of brain to be processed or act upon or anything like that. So sometimes with obsessive compulsive, you can obsess on so many things so much and it just goes around and around and around and around, even though the solution or the answer um, was fixed. So a lot of times for me, 
especially in school or social environments, I was always an extrovert, right? Um, did really well in academia because my mom also taught me that too, like, you know, focus that obsession on positive things. So to kind of block the noise in my own head and the things around me, I would focus on school or doing or doing well in school or sports or whatever I really put my mind to. And, th- and so that progression started. Um, that first step, that foundation got laid. And um, instead of, you know, just throwing me to the wayside and prescribing me medication and, you know, crossing your fingers that it worked, she took the time, quit her job and really became hands on with me. I mean, even to this day at 26, I, I mean, that's still one of my biggest or she is my biggest fan and my biggest support system. And I call her in a heartbeat. And it was one of those things that, you know, is invaluable. And not everybody's as fortunate enough to have someone like that in their life. And that's where the whole authentic act came from here just recently at this point in my, in my journey. I realized how important my team was. I realized that if I didn't have the team that I had, Lee Everett would not be standing here. I would have hurt myself, hurt somebody else, or done something entirely stupid and silly to the point where I would have gotten into some type of trouble. You know, back to the basic obsessions, you know, licking carpet floors or washing my hands so they would profusely crack and bleed. I'm I'm not just a drop of blood, but just bleeding to the point where I couldn't move my hands because they had to be so clean to the point where, in my mind, it was never good enough. Same thing with, you know, I always use the, the floor, carpet floors as an example, because um, it was always in my house. I was funny about germs, obviously, but it was always one spot and I had to do it three times. If I didn't do it three times, my mind would not shut up and stop. And through just practice and self-awareness and building upon the skills we were learning as a household and through, you know, the psycholo- uh, psychologist that helped us helped us out, we were able to do certain remedies and certain, uh, I guess, certain ways, so to speak, certain processes that would help alleviate those thoughts. And so slowly but surely, as I progressed through life, okay, you know, I stopped doing that, I stopped doing that. Then as I got older, you know, it stopped manifesting itself with the cleanliness or the organization or um, the obsessive thoughts in your mind to do um just off-the-wall things, it started manifesting itself in the real world. That was another beautiful thing about my mom. I was never sheltered. I was always, you know, put out there to learn and experience things. It was never, you know, oh, you know, her and I are close, you know, let let me protect my son and, and be a true mama's boy. You know, I still am a mama's boy to this day, but she never sheltered and protected me from things to the point where I didn't get the right exposure or experience. Obviously, she was th- she was there as a protector to help and support, but I had to go out and, you know, I touched a lot of hot stoves, figuratively and literally. <laughs> you know, I had to figure out how things worked for me, you know, and I still do this to this day. Sometimes I can be a little bullheaded and have to, you know, learn things the hard way at times, and that's okay. But what I've learned through my journey and through my childhood is that, you know, having these key players in your team and the people that really value you as a person and as a being and really want to see you thrive and succeed and be the best version of you, I was able to evolve and take those life lessons and keep learning and know when the time and the place was to be obsessive or, or to block out my own thoughts. Um, so as I went on, you know, I went through therapy and psychology um, and with the psychologist for pretty much my whole entire um schooling middle school and high school 
got to college, you know, I got too big for my britches, you know, she was a child psychologist anyway, so we kind of parted ways, and, you know, college was also another challenge, mother and I still kept in contact, and, um, you know, she was there to help and support, uh, to be honest, my dad at the time, you know, really did not know how to handle these things, come to find out my dad is kind of battling some of the same things I was, you know, witnessing firsthand, and, uh, unfortunate for him, he wasn't able to have the resources that I did growing up, and he didn't realize things until later in his life. And because of that, him and I became even more closer as a young adult because growing up, him and I butted heads because I was so overwhelming. I had to require so much time and reassurance and questions. And for somebody like him, who was very similar to me, it's overwhelming because he didn't even know how to balance his at the time. And so going through all this, um, even having a teacher mentality, my dad was is one of the sweetest, kindest, nicest guys I know in my life. But just for him, something like that is just so overwhelming that it's just hard to take in and 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 being able to to maneuver through when he has his own going on. He wasn't even truly aware of it, you know. But going back and looking at my family's history and my medical history. And things along those lines, you really start to see, like, wow, like, I, I can see the progression here. So, you know, went through high school and kind of got all that out of the way and kept pushing through. Did really well. Went to East Carolina. It was most affordable for me, closest to home, where I could stay in connection with some of my friends and some business things we had going on at the time to plan with my buddy. Um, so it had been an interesting journey. And then college was kind of like a bigger nest for all that, but it still exposes you more to a taste, a little baby taste of the real world. And then I really started spiraling out of control. Um, I, I was real fixated on my physical health, and because of that, I had let my mental health go so... I let go of it so much, I didn't realize how it was spiraling until um, probably coming close to graduation. You know, so because I never really understood you know let me take a step back I understood what was going on but I didn't pay enough attention to it because I thought I knew it all I thought I had it under control I thought it wasn't an ongoing journey once you have it figured out or thought you had it figured out then it's okay to move on uh, but it was apparent that I did not have things figured out and I hit a lot of you know rough patches you know I got into some trouble I was making some of the wrong decisions um, you know, never got did too, anything too crazy, but I was definitely not following the path that was supposed to go down to my destiny. Fortunately for me, my dad connected uh, me with a family member um, from my dad's side of the family who became a mentor to me because he had obsessive compulsive. He was actually a relative of mine, a second cousin in his 60s, but he owned a staffing agency. And like I said, he had obsessive compulsive, so we were able to talk on that frequency. He had actually been clinically diagnosed and put into a um, medical institution back in his time for those same problems I was experiencing. So through all his journeys and experiences and mistakes and shortcomings and even victories, he was able. We were able to talk on a certain frequency that really clicked, you know, between him and I. Um, so through all that, you know, I. I really had a lot of help from him in the professional world because, like I said, you know, my dad was a school teacher. My mom came from the education realm as well. And, you know, no fault to their own. They just did not have the business or professional expertise in that arena. And 
you know, I wanted to get out of Edgecombe County. I wanted to make something better of myself because there was no resources. There's no jobs. There's nothing really to go into. So, you know, through that mentorship and, and through that, that, there was another piece and another teammate that elevated my life that was critical to my success and critical to getting me going on the right direction and the right path to that journey I'm supposed to be taking. So as all this evolved, you know, kind of in a nutshell, it wasn't easy. You know, after, you know, I've kind of painted this really short mini version of my picture for you guys. I wasn't ever fully happy with Lee or love myself until October 2018. So just recently. And that's what really motivated me to truly start putting things out there. Um, I mentioned my relative with the staffing agency. That's what motivated me to get into staffing. I ended up <laughs> driving back and forth from Pine Tops, North Carolina to Charlotte and Raleigh day after day after day, walking in places, handing my resume, shaking their hand and saying, hey, I'm Lee Everett. Do you have somebody I can talk to? I'm interested in getting into um, human resources and talent acquisition. Do you have somebody here I can speak with? So through that, I ended up getting a job with Aerotech. Um, and that was, well, actually, that was after my first job. Uh, I got as a general contractor in New Jersey. Never read a, a, a damn blueprint a day in my life. The guy liked me and believed in me. You know, I figured, I got up there, figured it out. It wasn't for me. You know, it just was a lot of work that I really wasn't able to use, utilize my mind in all the time. There was a lot of kind of like downtime. So, but that's when I came back home, you know, after about a year up there and I, I realized like, hey, like, what can I do that involves people? You know, what can I do that involves me communicating? Eh, if I sell, I sell. But what can I do that involves people that can make a good living? And that's where, you know, Dan came into place and started telling me about staffing and talent acquisition. I was like, wow. So that's when I started driving back and forth to these various cities. And I finally got on with Aerotech here in Charlotte, uprooted my whole life. And uh, so my journey began. And to give you guys kind of a snippet of all that, I went through a lot of wellness issues especially in corporate America. And that's what motivated me to start my company, Avalon. Um, seeing these wellness gaps in our society, especially in our corporate arena or anywhere really that you work, it doesn't have to be even labeled as corporate. Our lives are so consumed, you know, eight, nine, ten hours of the day by solely working for somebody else's mission and vision. But I realized that our mental well-being wasn't taken care of. You know, Google could go out there and, and buy ping pong tables and foosball tables and do all this cool stuff. We work hard, we play hard. And so all these other companies mimic that on a, on a similar scale. And it's all, you know, we, we're active, we're fit. You know, we, we work and we play and we do things right and we sell and we, we motivate and all this jargon. And what I really realized, it's all an illusion. People were dying. You know, people are mentally physically unstable at these jobs because they're going into an environment that they spend you know over a, a third or so of their day at and it's draining them more than it's elevating them there's so much that goes wrong in staffing and that's where um you know to be honest with you all and to be fully transparent i've pretty much gotten some of the jobs i've left and others i've got fired from and, and a large portion of them I have gotten fired from. And that's what I want to put out there to you all. Because a lot of times we, we think about getting fired. It's like, ah, oh, man, like what do we do wrong? 
And so as a, as a self-aware person as I am, especially obsessively aware sometimes, I've really broken down that, you know, I was always a top performer. I was always, you know, did everything by the book. I always did, well, tried to do everything by the book. Um, I always was exceeding my numbers, did really well. But I learned that there's a certain expectation and who your person is supposed to be. And if it doesn't fit that, then you're going to run into conflict. And so sometimes we hear about culture in a company and we, we feel like, oh, I want to be a part of this culture and I want to, I want to attribute and I want to be you know, in this and, and be a part. But really, to me, a lot of people would disagree. Culture is made up of those people. Each individual in that organization makes up that culture. A lot of times, though, in corporate America, people think, well, people say culture trickles down from the top, which it does to a, to a degree, but it shouldn't. Because even those people, the C-level executives, the owners, they're even experiencing their own wellness gaps in their own work that it then falls on the people below them. You know, so it's it's this never it's this ongoing, never ending cycle of anxiety, depression, just needing to meet expectations and doing your job and dealing with all the other noise going around in these environments and that it's just not a positive place to be. So, you know, once I figured all that out and you know, had my things with Aerotech after a year or so and then got on with, you know, a, a really good um you know, local staffing headhunting agency and really learn then what, what true staffing and, and talent acquisition and agency recruiting is. And then took my skill sets and kept progressing forward. So I eventually uh, ended up working at three different tiers. I worked at Aerotech, which is the largest probably held. The guy that owns, I think the Ravens owns Aerotech. I worked at a local mid-market that was the top mid-market agency locally owned. And I worked at a small startup. So through all those experiences and through the positive and negative experiences, I really realized how much, how difficult my life was sometimes in, in, in work and expectations and having to fit these molds and, and just seeing it on the other end too, hiring and firing so many people at so many different levels and seeing the, the anxiety and depression and the search itself, you know, just to process. I mean, some of these hiring processes are so, just so obsolete and they're just make you jump through these fiery hoops that should never even have to exist. You know, we're not getting to know the people. We're just putting these people through processes and expecting them to check all the boxes. And if none of the boxes are checked, then they're not a good candidate or they get marked off the table or they don't even get an opportunity to even phone interview. You know, I can't tell you countless times <clears throat> the talent I would find that would, you know, cross my desk and then companies, you know, Bank of America, your Wells Fargo's, your Nike's, companies I've recruited for that wouldn't even take a look at some of these people. I've seen some jobs 150 resumes deep, nobody interviewed. So you mean to tell me recruiters nationwide could not find you a cultural and talent fit within those folks. And I'm somebody that's learned through this process because I had no ego growing up. Through my obsessive compulsive, I drug myself through the mud so much that now I have a little bit of self-found confidence. You know, I've realized that, yes, I'm very good at my job, but that doesn't dictate people's decisions at all unless you have true partnerships. So that's why I kind of stepped out of corporate America and decided to, to change that perception and change that perspective and create my own. And that's how Avalon was born is through all that pain 
and suffering that I went through myself with the certain things I experienced from companies going all the way to the extremity of using my own disability against me. You know, I had one learning and development director at one company, you know, we became friends and he was an older guy. And I said, well, let me tell you a little bit of personal things about me that you may find interesting from a talent acquisition and, you know, learning and development standpoint. So I told him about my mind and my obsessive impulsive and some of my history. And that's really what got me in trouble at a lot of these places because I was such an open book. I looked at everybody kind of like, you know, equals, so to speak. It's friends, you know, no matter what my title was, you know, I, I spoke to people with the same respect, with the same integrity, and I was an open book, just like I am today. But I was a lot more vulnerable then because I, I really didn't, still wasn't comfortable with myself, like I said, up until October when I kind of elevated my own life to a point where I looked in the mirror and loved Lee for the first time in 26 years. So seeing all these things and experiencing all these things on both sides, especially myself, it's just, it really put me in a depressive state. And I had to pull myself out of that. You know, I'd go to work and the guy would walk by, he'd be like, oh, what are you obsessing on today? You know, or pull me into a room and just bark and yell and say that I'm being too obsessive and, you know, asking me all these questions and asking me why I'm asking questions and telling me I only can ask a certain number of questions per day. I mean, I had that happen as a child, you know, I'd have teachers, I'd go into school and they were like, Lee, you can only ask three questions a day. I'd have one teacher say, you know what, you only can ask one question, make sure it's your good one. And so this would put me in a mental fury because I'm so engulfed by all these questions and thoughts running into my mind. I can't articulate or put anything out there because people don't want to hear it. People are so stuck within themselves, they're, they're not willing to open up and, and, and just be sharing of information and knowledge and experience regardless of your age your job title or anything um so it, it just really shocked me i it, and i saw through my progression you know i kind of saw the flip side of that was when i got on with the smaller company uh, on the last company i worked for we had an open door policy i worked with the ceo right i mean he worked a few desks a few desks uh from me so seeing that and seeing the opposite effect of that and just realizing like, wow, there is people out there that do care. Luckily for me, you know, the company was still doing really well. We're about a six, seven million dollar company, but he was able to allocate time for me because he believed in me as a person and my abilities. But even through all that, I started, you know, taking up too much time because there wasn't always opportunity to share and talk about things because, I mean, he's running a business. He, he can't allocate but so much time to me throughout the week. And not to say that I'm a needy person, but, you know, when you deal with people like myself, especially when they've kind of got some things figured out personally, you know, I was never afraid to put it out there. And there's such uh, a negativity towards that in, in corporate America where, you know, if you're not at a certain level or even if you are, people don't want to hear anything extra, even if it has to do with the culture or the business or, you know, developing the teams you know, profit and everything aside because, you know, businesses are going to thrive, hey, thrive. But the number one thing you hear about businesses failing is their culture. And culture is made up of people. So back in October, this is when I kind of had the whole idea of Avalon. And Avalon started as Escape to Avalon. Avalon was a, a excursion that was going to revolve around, you know, management and uh, leaders and within organizations. You know, a small group from 9 to 12 people. We go out into cabins that I partner with through Airbnb and I feature two to three keynote speakers, consultants, coaches around the nation. 
um, because through my activity on LinkedIn and basically doing all my work through LinkedIn for headhunting, I really started growing my network and organically started connecting with people and just getting to know folks. And little did I know, people were watching me. People were watching the videos I was putting out, the things I was saying. I was finally starting to step out of that shell because, like I said, in October, I took my own trip into the mountains and just turned off everything, me and my girlfriend and I, and just it was a life-changing moment. And it helped me awaken so much to certain things I had been putting myself through. And I told myself never again. So through all this, I created Avalon and it built from the excursions to now where I plan on having. So basically how I tell people is I want to be a business, a business and organizational general contractor. A lot of times people hear general contractor and you think physical labor. General contractor to me is a company or organization that creates or produces a product or builds a product or or anything amongst you know the, that wording through their subcontractors. So Avalon partners and pairs with some of the top coaches and consultants and businesses, and we all come together as one. I may go in, and this is our core, kind of core function: is elevating individuals, teams, and organizations. And I may go in and assess the company's culture, and, and we look at various things with my team and I. And we really point out the wellness gaps, what's going on within the culture and within you know each individual group and um, each individual employee. So once that's assessed, then we can go in and see, okay, what do we need to do from here to help you retain the talent you already have and utilize the talent you already have? Because that's the thing I learned in staffing is so many companies are hiring, firing, hiring, firing, and staffing's not cheap. You know, people are paying 15, sometimes all the way up to 25, 30% of somebody's first year salary with only a 45 to 60 day guarantee, sometimes 90. But once that, once that period's over, that person doesn't do well, you're out 15, 20, 30 grand. So companies are just throwing around all this money for these hires that they think are so great, but they've not done the due diligence truly to find the right fit. They may say, oh, we've looked at the resume, they've interviewed with three or four different people, phone interview, Skype interview, in-person interview, but the whole big picture is missed. What is those person's true strengths and what are they truly bringing to the table as a person along with their skill set, obviously, but what is the team strengths you already have and will it fit into your program? Will it fit into your cultural blueprint? Because if it doesn't, then you're going to have more problems. So what I've learned and what I'm doing is we're basically assessing companies' cultures which stems into business, but like I said, I, you can't be all things all people. So Avalon is the first organizational general contractor where we go in and partner with other businesses in their niche to help those companies. So I may go in, me and my team do some of the talent acquisition in HR, um, and then I may partner with a business coach. I may partner with a industrial psychologist. I may partner with um, somebody who comes in and solely looks at the correlation between the culture and the numbers because like I said before you can't be all things all people but you see a huge progression and shift in corporate America to start working together and that's my whole mission is like look there's plenty of pieces of pie to go around why don't I bring in other people that's been in this niche for 20 or 30 years and we all help each other we all come together and build this beautiful culture we build this beautiful business just like a general contractor hires the best subcontractors to build a beautiful home. They manage the project. 
So that's what Avalon does. We've built key relationships starting here in Charlotte because this is where we're going to start because this is where my you know, livelihood is. This is where my community is. And I, I think highly of Charlotte. I love the people in Charlotte and I love Charlotte as a city. So I've built key relationships here in so many different avenues, coaching, consulting, um, talent acquisition, HR. And we go in as a group and assess the company's needs. It, and it can range, you know. So I've partnered with Kristen Sherry here in um, Charlotte. She's written the book, as you well know, UMAP. Um, and UMAP is based off the Gallup Strength Finders. So with that, she realized that, hey, like, they loved her so much. They wanted her to be one of their top executive coaches. She went out and did her own process with the four pillars that she did um, with your skills, values, strengths, and how you're wired. And basically helps people understand what their true skills and strengths lie and how that aligns with what they're doing now and what they could be doing in the workforce. And maybe it not be, might, might not be a good fit. Maybe it is and you're not utilizing those strengths correctly. And so what I've learned through all that, because I, I received some free coaching on LinkedIn and I got really fortunate to be paired with some of the top coaches, you know, throughout the, our nation and, you know, I had all this knowledge given to me for free. So who am I to, to harbor all this and not share it with everybody else? Because that's our responsibility as people to take what we've learned and to pass it on to others. So what I've gone through this whole process, and like I said, with Avalon, is creating this company that focuses on the gaps in culture and elevating your individuals, teams, and organization as a whole from the bottom up, really getting in the weeds and saying, hey, look at our team here. We're having some issues. Let's find out what these people's strengths are. Instead of just turning around and firing folks, let's really find out what they're good at. Maybe we're missing the mark. Sometimes we think we know it all, but we really don't. Let's get in there and really assess what's happening here and what's affecting these team or these really these individuals and how that affects the teams and how it ultimately affects the organization. It's it's a domino effect. So once we go and do all that, I mean, it's it's something that's ongoing, but it's something that puts things in place. And it's not just assessments, but it's understanding people at their core. And once you do that, once you truly invest in the people that's invested their whole lives in you and your organization, then you'll start seeing your business thrive. Then you'll start seeing things come to fruition and things really taking off how you see them fit because you know you can make all the money in the world and go on google or yelp or any of these other platforms and see the awful all you know glass door you know you see companies multi-billion dollar companies with the worst reviews that's not healthy you know and then these people feel like they're forced into these organizations sometimes because it is good pay it or is good benefits and it is a stable environment once they get in there they start sacrificing their mental wellness and that's where whole the whole process comes for me is because everything is mental wellness. Your wellness starts at your mental core, your physical, your emotions, your energy, your job efficiency, your relationships, your attitude. Everything stems from how you are mentally. And if that is not sound or is that or is not being built to be sound, that's where I ran into some problems, you know, because things weren't sound with me personally. But then I wasn't in the right environments regardless of the company's size or the so-called culture they preach on, and I still wasn't receiving the help or support or just human care that you should see in life. And so that, my friends, is what motivated me to step outside, look at things you know, from an outside perspective and an internal perspective where I've lived them firsthand. I was like, wait, 
somebody's got to make a change. Somebody's got to be the first person to say, look, we're having issues here. Let's build a collective team around it. Let other businesses thrive. If I go in and there's something I can't do, I've got a partner that can. I've got somebody that will come in and, and do exactly what you need them to do. And we are not all things for all people, but we are the one-stop shop for those type of things in your culture, in building your company, in elevating the people around and amongst you. Because that's what's important. You know, so oftentimes, you know, we see people kind of caught up in, in the minute details and we're not really looking at the big picture. And that's what's kind of, you know, discomforting for me. And that's how I built Avalon is just, okay, what is company's core back-end fundamental needs? So I came up with six buckets. Talent acquisition, consulting, coaching, corporate training and workshops, assessments, and speaking engagements. All six of those buckets cover the necessary needs for any company. Talent acquisition, there always needs to be some type of hiring. People are always going to hire and fire. But how can we go in and really retain that top talent? How can we go in and elevate the talent you don't think is top? Because I guarantee you once you go in and really find out these people's top strengths, the gold mine's right in your backyard. The people that you have already are capable of so much more if you allow them to be. If you allow people to make choices. If you allow people to live a better life. If you give people the ability to exhibit their true human potential through their strengths, values, and skills. With that, you elevate the productivity. You, you utilize new processes that are more efficient. You utilize products that help individuals and organizations evolve their wellness and enjoy their craft. You also utilize things that are already in place to create a better society and to be good stewards of our resources and investing in people that are already there. And after you've developed the people, the productivity goes up. Now the performance goes up. You see an individual performing highly. You see the team performing highly. You see the culture elevating. Motivation goes up. Job satisfaction goes up. Improved levels of employee retention go up. And the overall wellness and human performance goes up. Because people feel appreciated. People feel valued. People feel as if they have an important role and responsibility within your organization. They feel like they are a true piece, which they are. Every If they didn't, they would not be in that seat. Why would you hire them in the first place if they didn't have a fundamental role? All the way to your admin, to your senior level VP, to your janitor. Every person plays their part. Why not let them enjoy it? So in envisioning myself as an organizational general, general contractor, so to speak, I want to be the leading provider of the right people, increased productivity, and elevated levels of performance to enhance the culture and the business through our external partnerships and our internal experience that we have. And so within those six buckets, as I was speaking about, and that is one thing, too, I'll go on and tell you, this is the beauty in my in having a podcast when I do solo episodes like this, I'm probably going to ramble. So <laughs> excuse me from going from so many different points. But there's so much going on in my mind. And it's finally giving me an opportunity to put out there. Um, I hope you all enjoy it. Just you know, follow with me if you can. Um, but yeah, I'm throwing a lot out there. So to my point, with, with the six buckets, 
with the talent acquisition, like I said, there's always going to be hiring in place. But assess the people you already have to then know what you need. Because sometimes we don't actually know what we need when we go out and look for it. And I've learned that through um, doing these searches for various companies. Like I said, Nike, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Pepsi. Um, I mean, the list can go on and on. Even to your mom and pop shops, I see the same issues for small and mid-sized companies. You don't even have to keep using the big buzzword, large names. You know, you see the same progression throughout because they're they're saying, oh, this company is doing this. Let me mimic that. But it's not right. It's not right. It isn't. And I'd be the first one to wave the flag and say it. You know, we have problems in our wellness gap, and we're seeing that through HR and talent acquisition, first and foremost. So the next piece that comes into play is consulting. There's two buckets there, business and HR. I had various consultants I partnered with through my talent acquisition days that were more than welcome to take their 20, 30 plus years of experience and come in as a consultant for, me, for either business and HR. That's simply put. If you need some outside perspective and some true consulting, Avalon is the place to be able to find those type of things and to find that professional. Just let us know what you need. Coaching. So for the coaching, I am... Becoming a certified workshop facilitator, also going to get my certified coaching certificate for UMAP. Strength finders changed my life. Strength finders put me in a position to realize my true potential and to realize and put into words what I was missing in my job and my career, but also who I am as a person, what my strengths are. I've learned that three of my top five strengths are thinking traits. Those thinking traits are actually seen in introverts. So I've realized that a large part of my life, I've been an extrovert, but I've also been almost forced to be an extrovert. I've been in a position where, you know, people expected me to talk and be that guy talking and and having fun and good energy, but I always wasn't there. I always did not want to be that person. I also used it to get out of my own head. I did not like being in my head, you know, a large portion of my life because I hated the thoughts I had and hated the obsessions. So I'd be, I would use being an extrovert as a reason to distract myself. So with that coaching, we plan to use certified UMAP coaches and being our main assessment portal, being able to go out and map the whole process out of your values, your strengths, your true assets and skills, and then figure out how you're wired. There's actually a psychological piece to it as well, which is beautiful because I love psychology. So that's really cool, and you know, you guys will hear more about that to come. And obviously, I've seen the great work Christian Sherry is doing here in Charlotte and around the world with UMAP and changing and elevating people's lives. With coaching as well, obviously, we'll have our business coaches. We can come in, um, but I've also incorporated wellness and nutrition. Wellness I use because you know you throw mental wellness out there, or mental health. So many people think, oh, we're pro- we're solving a problem that needs to be fixed like when you go to the doctor and you have diabetes you know it's something that's there you know it's almost irreversible and we have to figure out a way around it so wellness coaching covers that mental wellness piece it covers the things you can do in your spare time your meditation your your exercise getting out there into the world and actually developing the wellness within you to understand and being able to perceive the things going on around you and being able to manifest your own thoughts and destinies and put that into your work and your everyday life. And nutrition plays a huge part of that. I'm, I'm working with some uh, key nutritionists here in Charlotte who, like I said, we contract out their work and they are part of kind of our Avalon team. 
and I send them every bit of work that revolves around nutrition. And then lastly, our job coaches. So job coaches help people in and out of the workforce. So whether you're getting ready to leave a job or you're trying to find a job, a lot of times you hear in the staffing realm, ah, man, like recruiters suck. You know, they don't get back to me. They won't get a call back. So that's the beauty for having these job coaches like, hey, we're not a staffing agency. We're not a recruiting agency. We've got people here in place that are going to help you coach you through your process, help you with your resume, help you with your job search. And those are things that ultimately, like I said, with my whole mission is to help and elevate each individual. So we have processes and people in place for that as well. For corporate training and workshops, obviously with the UMAP Strength Finders as a big portal of ours for the workshops to get groups of people in to really assess and see the true potential of the groups and how each individual contributes to their own group. We also do team building and teamwork exercises where we focus on you know emotional intelligence, communication, and really being able to take what we've learned about ourselves, but apply it on a bigger spectrum, apply it to a team, to a group, to an organization. So that way, yes, you might have yourself, you know, on, on the journey to being able to put the pieces together. But how does those pieces fall with the overall collective and the company that you work for? And we'll have some um, groups and activities and workshops there. And then for the assessments piece, uh, Strength Finders is a huge, huge portal that we plan on utilizing and really you mapping this whole process around all of that. So um, that's just a little bit. And so obviously through all this, we want to offer platforms for our coaches and consultants. So we do offer speaking engagements. If you want to have myself or any of the team come out and speak to your organization on any of the subjects that I just listed, whether it be coaching, consulting, nutrition, wellness, um, assessments, anything, or just, you know, life in general. We have people in place that have amazing, amazing stories in our business realm that, you know, we often don't uh, oftentimes don't get to hear the personal piece. Um, but that's where at Avalon, we offer people that work with us speaking opportunities to go out and, you know, touch the hearts and souls of these companies that may not need any coaching or consulting, but may just want a speaker to motivate their team or motivate their organization and to keep pushing their culture higher. And so that's the biggest piece for here, um, here with us in Avalon. So that's it in a nutshell. You know, we, part, we try to partner with some of the top consultants, coaches, mentors, and businesses in the country. But like I said, we focus right now here solely on Charlotte. And we want to be the one-stop shop to elevate your culture and improve each individual. So besides all of that, that is my whole journey to help and to connect with other like-minded people. Business and money are a byproduct of the good things you can do in life. But really at your core, what are you putting back to your community? What are you putting back to the people within your community? What are you putting back to yourself? That same domino effect can be reversed. Cool, you've got a large, thriving organization. Okay, cool, you've got certain teams in place. Cool, you've got leaders in place. But then really dial it back to you because you are a ripple in that pond as well. How you act and how things are affected your life reflect and affect the people within your organization as well. So that's why you see cultures of companies fail because leadership at the top may not be the best examples to mimic. They might not be setting the right tone or the right culture for your organization, but they're the ones in, in place of power and seniority. So 
that is some of the biggest things here I want you all to think on and just take my personal story that I kind of went over at the beginning of this and really kind of piece it together and see why I'm doing what I'm doing and how this may tie into what you have going on. And that's the beauty behind LinkedIn and what I've learned is because the last thing I want to talk about is business. I want to get to know that person first. How we can add value to each other is going to come next. But first, who are you? Hey, you've added me on LinkedIn. I've added you on LinkedIn. Let's get to know one each other. Let's really dig down in the weeds and like find out you know, who you are as a person. Obviously, we can't share everything with all people. But why not start showing pit, bits and pieces of us to other people that are deserving? Like I said previously, I'm an open book. I will share anything and everything with everybody. And obviously, there's parts of ourselves we have to protect. But through this journey, I've learned if you're sound and happy with yourself, that vulnerability is never always vulnerable because it's protected. I will never worry about a, a, another director or a, a mentor or coach or boss to come at me and to use my own personal journey or weaknesses against me because I've got a mental barrier protecting all that. I've got things in place that, hey, when I realize and see those things, I've got certain cues that red flag that behavior and I don't associate it with it anymore. Not all money is good money. Not all business is good business. Not all people are truly good people. But find the good in all these things and try to turn it around. But the biggest, biggest thing I can get through with all this rambling and jargon that I've been saying here in the past hour or so Find the strength from within. Find who you are as a person. And the beauty behind life, folks, is we're never going to really find it. That's the journey. There is no end. The journey keeps going. And so with this, enjoy the process. Speed up by slowing down. When we really take in the moments and things going on around us, that, my friends, is what living is all about. That is what is about feeling. So thank you all so much for tuning in. I look forward to you know, hearing some of your feedback and having some folks come on board and get on the show and share their journey and process. But I want to share a little bit about my personal journey, why I'm doing what I'm doing, the business I'm starting, and letting everybody know I'm here. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, it sounds like my dogs are going crazy in the background. Um, that's the beauty of this podcast as well because Everybody always wants everything to be perfect or control everything. I can't control everything. There is no perfection. That's something I've learned through my obsessed compulsive. Stop trying to perfect everything. Just go with the flow. I've coughed in this podcast. My dogs are probably, you can hear them barking in the background. But that's the beauty of it. Let things be real. Let people see the real you. Put on an authentic act. Let your act be authentic. Your awareness, character, and team is the three things that matter most and that's important in my life as they should be in yours. So hope you all have a good rest of your week. I wanted to just speak a little bit about what I had going on in myself so you can get to know me. If you have any questions or want to reach out and just talk, feel free to message me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message and I would be glad to connect and talk. I would love to hear your story and your journey and get to know you better as well. So be well, everybody, and hope you have a good week, and I will talk to you all soon, and thank you so much for tuning in to The Authentic App.